How many of you guys had a real Christmas tree for Christmas? How many of you guys left it to right at the end of January? Who took it down after a week? Who took it down after two weeks? Three weeks? Four weeks? Who still has their Christmas tree up? You still have your Christmas tree? Oh my goodness. Wow. So I, I was like, I'm, I'm saying that I was nearly like that. I took mine down this week. Um, so I don't have an excuse. I, I got back from Colombia. We were in Colombia. Um, last week we had our annual conference. It was pretty amazing. I know Ashley mentioned about how you can watch it online at g12.tv. I want to encourage you to do that because it's going to be a great for your life this year. But I got back from Colombia and, and I got in the house and I had that, you know, that like Christmas tree smell. But it's not Christmas. That's the worst feeling. You know when you like get the, the whiff of Christmas, but it's not actually Christmas. You're like, dang, I was looking forward to that. And I just got to wait a whole year. So I walk in and there's my Christmas tree. I was like, oh my goodness, I've left this up. Like it's nearly February and my Christmas tree is still up in the house. I'd managed to take the ornaments and the lights off, but the tree was still stood there. And um, I'm going to confess, it took me two days since I got back to take it down until someone actually came to my house um, to, I think they were going to help out with Nathan that day. And, and they were like, hey, you still have your Christmas tree up. And I was like, yeah, I know. Like, let me help you. So we took it down. And as we took it out the base, you know, Christmas trees that have been there for like two months, super dry. All the branches are looking like kind of sad and droopy. But there was still water in the bottom of the base. So obviously the water wasn't getting from the base to the tree because the tree was now ready to be thrown out. It was like... And yet there was still water there. And I was, I was thinking about that. I was thinking, man, so many of us live our Christian lives like a Christmas tree. What do I mean by that? I mean, we come to church, we, you know, we get Jesus, who, hallelujah. We chop off the old roots, the old things in our lives. And we say, okay, I'm going to have a fresh start with Jesus. And then we just plant ourselves in a nice base on a Sunday or a Saturday night in church and look pretty. Or handsome, as, a, as it might be if you're a guy. And we put, like, ornaments and lights so that we look on the outside Good. And people ask us, you know, oh, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, great. Great brother, sister. I'm awesome. Jesus is great. Hallelujah. And then you go back home and you're like, oh, my God. Everything's a mess. My life's a mess. I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. Ah! And so, like, on the inside, you're screaming. Ah! And on the outside, you're like, it's awesome, brother. Jesus is so great. Hallelujah. Christmas tree Christians. What's the problem? The problem is that you've chopped off the old roots, but there are no new ones. You've chopped off the old source, the world, the things that you used to receive, but you've got no new channels of reception to receive what God has for you. The consequence is two months of life. And then, <laughs> then everything starts to droop. Your leaves start to go brown. The branches start to like fall. 
and you start to look a little bit sad and sorry for yourself. And I've met a bunch of people who come to church, and then it's normally after like two months. At first, they're like, yeah, awesome, Jesus, he's changed my life. And then two months later, you see them, and they're like this. And you're talking to them, you're saying, so how's it going? Well, to be honest, I'm just not really sure about like God and all that. And you're like, well, how come? Well, I tried it. I tried that prayer stuff and the reading the Bible and the, and the, and the, and the Christian stuff. And it just, it's just not working for me. And two months down the line, they're already like going back to how they used to live. Like a Christmas tree. Why? Because they never replaced the roots that received sustenance with new ones. And they became like a Christmas tree in church, not receiving anything new. And I was thinking about that as I was taking my Christmas tree down, and, and I, found a, I came across a passage in Jeremiah. Um, I was reading through Jeremiah, all the destruction and death and lamenting. And then I found this passage, and it really spoke to me. It's in Jeremiah 17. And verse 7, it says this, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, who tr whose trust is the Lord. And then it says this, He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green and it is not anxious in the year of drought. For it does not cease to bear fruit. I read this passage and it spoke to me straight away. Especially because I was taking my Christmas tree down at the same time. And I was like, that's the key. The key to having a solid, strong, life-filled Christian life. Jesus said, and I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. The key to having that is to lay or stretch out roots in your life. To lay roots, to grow and extend roots in your life. And this month, we're going to talk about that. We're going to look at some roots that you need to establish in our lives, that we need to establish in our lives in order to create a tree that's like this one. Not like a Christmas tree, but a tree that is full of life. A tree that receives the right thing. And I was looking at three, three things to this. The first one is this, that it has to be planted. If you want your Christian life to be full of life, you have to be planted first and foremost. Not stuck in a base. And a lot of people, they come to church, and that's their base. But it's not earth. They're not actually planted. They just come to church on a Sunday or a Saturday night. And that's it. Christmas tree Christians, I call them. Because there's no actual earth there. They're not, they're not planted anywhere. In order to receive the best from God, you have to actually be planted. How are you planted? Planted in church and in your cell group. You come, you have regular contact with other Christians. And then what happens? Well, notice it says that they're planted, but not just anywhere. You have to be planted near streams of water. What, is those streams, what do those streams represent? They represent Jesus. It's no good being religious, 
religious will not get you what you need in life. Someone asks you, oh, you go to church. Yeah, I got religion. Not going to help you. Religion won't help you. The only thing that will help you is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. In order to receive the most, you have to be planted by Jesus. You have to get close to him. But then there's another step, because even if you're close to him, without roots, you might as well be a million miles from him. A tree with no roots next to a stream will die because it has no way of sucking up the water. And notice this passage in Jeremiah, it says, be planted by the stream and then stretch out the roots. Stretch out your roots to reach the stream, to reach the water. We have to connect with God. We have to actually act, do some things in our lives to establish roots that will connect us to God so that our lives will, will what? We'll have four things. Check this out. And this is the best part of this passage. First thing, our lives will have no fear. You will be fearless. When you connect with God, fear dissipates. Why? Because you connect to the source of faith, which is the antidote to fear. When things come along and that fear starts to rise up, if you're connected to God, if your roots are there, you'll receive faith instead of fear. How many of you want to live a life without fear? I know I do. The next thing it says is you'll have green leaves. What does it mean to have green leaves? Well, first it looks cool. Trees that don't have green leaves look kind of depressing. Unless it's fall, but we don't really experience that here in Miami unless you go up north to Boston or New York or something like that. Um, but the, there's a problem with brown leaves, and, and it's this. They don't produce anything. A green leaf is green because of a little thing inside the cell that makes it look green. And that thing receives light and turns it into food. It's one of the miracles of God's creation. And that's why we're all here today. If it wasn't for that, we would all die out. Because the only way to create stuff on earth starts right there. Taking energy from the sun and turning it into food. And it's the same in our lives. Green leaves means that you're there to receive what God shines on your life and turn it into food. You'll have green leaves. The third thing is that you will never be anxious. It says... It will not be anxious in the year of drought. Now, anxiety comes when we don't know what's going to happen. Anxiety comes in our lives when we don't know the outcome of something. For example, you look at your bank account, which says zero, and then you look at your bills, which says you have a big one to pay on Tuesday, and then you look at your paycheck, which gets paid on Friday, and you're like, that's not going to work. Today, zero. Tuesday, bill. Friday, pay. Doesn't add up. I don't know what's going to happen. Anxiety starts to build in your life. You start to get worried, anxious. What's going to happen? The secret to living an anxious-free life is to lay down roots and connect with God. 
How many of you want to live without anxiety in your life? I know I do. I know I want to live without anxiety in my life. And it says, if you do this, you will. And then the last thing, and this is the coolest one, it says it will never stop bearing fruit, producing something. There's two types of fruit, one inside of us and one outside of us. The Bible talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Does anyone here know them? Just Edwin. Let me help you out. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'm missing one. That's eight. Did I say goodness? I thought I did. There's, there's another one in there. I know them better in Spanish. How weird is that? The fruits of the Spirit. Anyway, those are the things that increase inside of us when we're connected to God. Our love, our joy, our peace, our patience, our kindness, our goodness. All those things are fruits within us. Let me tell you this. If you are not bearing fruit, in other words, if you're not increasing in those areas as a Christian, you are a Christian Christmas tree. Christmas trees don't bear fruit. They just sit there. God doesn't want us to just sit there and wither away. He wants us to increase, to bear fruit, to change, to be better on the inside as we go along. And as you do that, your life begins to get better. I want to tell you something really important today. Your circumstance may never change. But the fruit inside of you can. And when it does, everything changes. Even if the circumstance is the same, suddenly everything is different. Suddenly the same thing that freaked you out before, you're like, I got this. I know how to deal with this because God is on my side. Suddenly the same thing that really annoyed you before suddenly produces joy and love or peace and patience. How many of you have kids here? How many are parents here? For me, I think that's the most important one right now is patience. I'm learning patience. My son, Noah, I love him very much. My love for him is high, but my patience for him sometimes is not so high. Because <laughs> I think four-year-olds, they just have a way of knowing how to like just, just aggravate adults with everything they say and do. And it doesn't mean you don't love them, but when they don't do what you ask for them, you need more patience. And I'm praying for more patience for the fruit inside. If you connect with God, you'll produce fruit inside your life. But you'll also produce fruit outside. What is outside fruit? Outside fruit is extending God's kingdom on this earth. God wants all men to come to the knowledge of him. It says that in Timothy. I think it's 2 Timothy. It says, God desires all men to come to the knowledge of him. God doesn't want us to just come on to church on Sunday and feel nice about ourselves. He wants us to go out there and show other people. So that the fruit that he bears in our lives will be reflected in other people's lives. It's called selfless living. Handing on what God has given you. The good things that he has given to you. And that is bearing fruit. When you bring other people to know God and their lives change, that's bearing fruit on the outside. 
When you connect to God, when you lay down roots, you will bear fruit. And this month we're going to study. We're going to look at four roots that you can lay down in your life. And today we're going to look at one in particular. And it's this, the root of God's word. The word of God in our lives. For me, this is possibly the most important root that you can lay down in your life. If you want your life to be different this year than it was last year, do this. Stretch out the root of the word of God in your life. How do you do it? Psalm chapter 1 and verse 2 and verse 3. I'm going to read it to you. It's talking about a man who is blessed. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And his leaf does not wither. And in all that he does, he prospers. How many of you want to prosper this year? Amen. How many of you want good things in your life? I do. How do you do it? The key is right there. A man who meditates on the law of God day and night. When you place the word of God at the center of your life, when you read it day and night, it becomes a root that stretches out and touches God. And every situation you face, suddenly you are receiving from the source of God himself. If you do this, it will change you. I guarantee it. Reading God's word regularly every day will change you more than a conference, more than an encounter, more than a message. I could preach to you every Sunday for the rest of your life and I will only, you will only see a fraction of the change God can do in your life unless you read his word every day. And that's been my testimony. I grew up in a Christian family. My parents were pastors. I knew all the Christian stuff to do. And I loved God. I believed in Him. I went to encounters. I went to conferences. I heard messages. I even went to a Christian school. But it wasn't until I set the discipline of reading my Bible every day that God began to change me on the inside. All those things were like a drop in the ocean to what God began to do in my life when I learned to read his word every day, when I learned to receive from the source. And that is the root that you have to lay down this year. If you want to see a change in your life, read God's word regularly. What happens if you don't do this? What happens if you don't read God's word daily? It tells us in the verse just before, in verse 1, Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, Blessed is the man, and he's talking about who meditates on the law, and it says, Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. What happens to your life when you don't read God's word, when you don't meditate on it? A downward progression is what happens. Notice how this, it starts off, it says, Blessed is the man who does not, Walk in the counsel of the wicked. It starts off with walking. This is how it works. You're walking through your life. You're doing whatever it is that you're doing. And that morning or that week, you haven't connected with God. 
You don't have that connection through his word. And what happens is someone else comes along called the enemy. And he comes right alongside you, pretending to be your friend. And the enemy is pretty, pretty clever. He's so clever, he talks in first person. Did you know that? When you hear counsel, in other words, like um, suggestions in your head, they come in the first person. But the Bible says the enemy is the father of lies, and those are lies to try and push you off track. And he comes along and he starts talking to you, and he talks to you about all sorts of things. Talks to you about your own life, your self-esteem. Man, you look fat today. And I'm like in the mirror, really? I can hardly see myself. Or he says, man, that job you've got, that boss, blah, blah, blah. How many of you are married here? Woo, amen. Number one, lie of the enemy the counsel of his wickedness is to try and get you to go against your wife or your husband. And he starts talking to you about your wife or your husband. Oh, she's so like this. Oh, he's so like that. And, and you're walking along and you're just like, oh, man, I didn't read the word this morning. And I'm like, man, you know what? She is like that. She does do that. Man, that's so right. And you start to listen to the counsel of what? Of wickedness. Because you're not listening to the counsel of goodness, God's word. Now what happens? You're walking along, you hear the counsel of wickedness, and what does it do? It stops you dead in your tracks. Look what it says in the next part. Nor stands in, this, in the way of sinners. First, it's he who walks in the counsel of the wicked. Then it's he who stands in the way of sinners. So you've gone from walking to standing. And where? In sin. You listen to the enemy's lies and it causes you to sin. And that sin stops you dead in your tracks. From that moment on, you are not advancing in your life. You are stopped dead still. Why? In sin. In the things that you do wrong. Maybe you take it out on your wife. You've listened to the counsel and then a little argument comes up and you throw some words right out there that you just heard you're like you're so like this you're always doing this boom or you yell at your kids or you end up falling into sin somewhere else you know there's the enemy's biggest mission in life is to get us on this downward process and it starts with the words. Those words that you listen to in your head can make you do the most awful, sinful things. Did you know that? Is those words that causes a married man to open up his computer and start watching stuff that he shouldn't be watching on the internet? Because he's listened to the lies of the enemy about his wife. Is those words that cause you to go out there and start doing things on your taxes that maybe you shouldn't be doing. Some people be like, well, what's so wrong with that? I don't want to give my money to the government. Well, the Bible says don't dodge your taxes. It clearly says in Romans, it says pay your taxes. 
not in part, in full. Some of you are like, I want to challenge you on that. Don't dodge your taxes. Because the lie of the enemy comes in and does what's contrary to what the word says. And it tells you, just take a little bit of cash. Don't mark it down on your income. And there you go. You don't, have to, you, don't have to, you don't have to list that on your taxes. You don't have to pay on that. Keep it for yourself. No one ever gives to you. They're always taken from you. God doesn't honor those who steal what's not theirs. There's a couple of examples for you. But you see my point. You listen as you're walking along and it stops you in your sin. And then what happens? Look what happens next. Nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Before you know it, you're sat down. You're sat down in your sin at church, criticizing and judging everyone else. Oh, he's so holy. Oh, what, what gives him the right to say that? Man, I bet you he's full of sin. I bet you he's no better than we are. I bet you, man, and you start scoffing. But notice where you're at. You're sat on your butt, not moving. You're not going anywhere in life. And you're not going to move from that place for the rest of your life until God rescues you. You see how it works? Stand, you're, you're walking, then you're standing, then you're sitting. Why? All because you're not meditating on God's Word day and night. Now I know we've all experienced this because I've experienced it in my life. There are days when maybe you miss, you don't read the Bible or you don't like get into God's Word or, or you, you, you know, you're just living your week from day to day and by the end of the week, you're in sin. You're doing stuff you shouldn't be. You're thinking about things you shouldn't think. And you're like, man, how did I get here? And I can tell you very easily, you stop reading your Bible. You stop connecting with God the easiest and most powerful way you can by reading His Word. You know, last week we were in Colombia and um, at a conference. And I got the chance to meet a man of God called Brother Yun. How many of you have heard of him? He's a, ch a man from China, a, um, a Christian from China. And he wrote a book called the, the Heavenly Man. And he tells his story there. And in China, it's illegal to be Christian and preach the gospel. He got saved because his father got healed from cancer. And he began to look for a Bible. In those days, Chairman Mao, the leader of the Communist Party in China, had destroyed all the books. And he only had one book, the Book of Mao. And they all had to read it. But he destroyed all the books, including the Bibles, because he didn't want anyone to receive anything other than communism. And so Brother Yun, he became a Christian because his dad got healed when they prayed, but he didn't have a Bible. And he starts crying out for Bible. And he says, God, I need a Bible. And God shows him in a vision where he can get a Bible in a town about five hour, a five-hour walk away. There was a pastor who stopped being a pastor because he was afraid. But he had a Bible buried in his, in his garden. So he goes to this pastor who says, hey, I know you've got a Bible. Help me out. And he's like, I don't have one. Go away. He's like, no, I know you've got one. Well, who are you to get one? He says, you've got to fast and pray, and he sends him packing. He sends him home, another five-hour walk home. No Bible. But he knows he's got one there, so he goes back a few weeks later after fasting and praying. Eventually, cut a long story short, he got hold of this Bible. And the first thing he does is memorize the book of Matthew. 
the whole book in about two days. Why does he do that? Because he doesn't know how much longer he's going to have the Bible for. Some communist policeman might come along and destroy it. So he starts memorizing the Bible. And it was that discipline and dedication that got him through the worst test in his life. For preaching the gospel, he got thrown into jail in, in communist China. And it's not like American jails where you have nice plasma 42-inch TVs and, and, you know, apple pie for dessert and stuff like that. No, this is like, this is like a dungeon. They throw him in there for 10 years. He gets a piece of bread a week, just enough water to survive. 10 years. Not only that, they torture him to try and get information about other Christians from him. He went through hell on earth. What kept him going? The Bible, the Word of God. Not only did it keep him going, he actually bore fruit. In that prison, he saw the whole prison, his whole prison cell saved. I mean, these are murderers. These are nasty people that the Chinese government have locked up forever. And he begins to save them. He begins to bring them to Jesus one by one because of his testimony. Why? Because he set the discipline of connecting with God's word in prison. He didn't have a Bible, but he had it up here. He was so connected with God's word. And we had the opportunity. He came to our conference. He preached. If you want to see his message, I encourage you um, to, to check it out on g12.tv. He was, he's an incredible man of God. The whole conference, he sat on the second row, listened to every message, received as he went along, but he also preached. And some of the miracles that he saw in his life will blow your mind. Get a hold of his book, read it. Um, but because of what he's been through, God has brought a humility to his life. And also the sense of God's presence. We had the opportunity to meet him and he prayed for Manu. My wife is pregnant, you probably noticed. Um, with our third child, he prayed for the, the child. And there was a moment when he prayed that it felt like heaven was opening. And God was like connecting us to heaven through this man. That's why they call him the heavenly man. All, and there's nothing different about him. He's not like an amazing man. He doesn't like ooze like charisma or whatever it is. He's just an ordinary man, but an ordinary man who connected with God's word who laid down the root and allowed that root to change him from the inside out. And I want to challenge you today. Whatever you're going through, if you got to that point where you're like, man, this is kind of hard, this Christian life thing. Why am I even doing it? I tried the praying stuff and it never, it didn't really work. I tried the reading my Bible stuff and it didn't really work. I read a little bit and, and nothing happened. And, and why, why, am, why, why should I keep going? I had a friend like that in England, where I'm from, as you may be able to tell. He was one of my best friends in high school. And I prayed for him and I prayed for him. And eventually he came to my cell group and he got saved. Within about three months, he turned around to me and said, this is too hard. I give up. Being a Christian is just too hard. All the, the fighting with the, the, the temptation and, and all that stuff, it's too hard. I give up. And he left. Like 
three, four months, Christian Christmas tree. Because he had no roots. You will not survive as a Christian unless you lay down the right roots in your life. You will dry up like a Christmas tree. And maybe you're sat there thinking, you know what, that's me. I did try this. Or I'm trying it, but it just doesn't seem to be working. It's just too hard. I'm willing to bet it's because you don't have any roots in your life. You don't have the right roots. You're not connected enough to the source to receive what God has for you to keep you going. Let me tell you, the difference between living as a Christmas Christian, Christian Christmas tree, and a tree that is planted by Jesus Christ, connected through his word, is astronomical. You go from being tired, weary, finding it too hard, to suddenly being filled with life, joy, love, excitement, passion, and suddenly life is worth living. Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it in abundance. How do you have it in abundance? By connecting to the source. By receiving what God has for you. And I want to challenge you, don't just come to church on a Saturday or even go to a cell group, a small group during the week. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's like pouring water into the Christmas tree base. You're just going to get a little bit, but you'll never get what the fullness of what God has for you until you connect, until you lay down the roots that he has for your life. And so today is an opportunity to do that. I don't know why you're here, what you've come with. Maybe you've been a Christian for years. Maybe it's your first time. But today, God wants to speak to you. He wants to say, I'm here. And I want to connect with you. I want to help you. I want to fill your life with good things. I want to lift you out of your situation. And I want you to be like that tree planted by the stream. I want your leaves to be green. And I want you to bear fruit. And so I'm going to invite us to stand just to finish this morning, this evening even. (laughs) And I want to pray. And I want to pray for you if you feel like that's you. If you feel like you've been like ticking along. in your your walk with God as a Christian, but you've never really, you've never really got to that point that you hear preachers talk about where they're just so overflowing with the love of God, where they're so overwhelmed by how great God is. And you're like, I just don't get it. I don't, I've never connected with that God. I've never connected with that Jesus. Today, I want to tell you, you can connect. Today is an opportunity to reconnect, to, to be planted by a stream and to set, let out your, your roots in order to connect with God. So I'm going to invite you just to close your eyes, bow your hearts. And if that's you, if you feel like you've got to reconnect with God today, with all the eyes closed, I'm going to invite you just to lift your hand as a sign. Just say, God, yeah, I need to reconnect with you. 
I've grown dry. I've been trying to live my life as that Christian Christmas tree. But my, my leaves are withering and my branches are drooping and I don't know how I'm going to keep going. Just lift your hand. And I want to pray for you because today God wants to renew your strength. God wants to lift you up. God wants to pour out His love. He wants to pour out His, His, His Spirit on you, His presence on you. And He wants to reconnect you with the source tonight. So with your hands raised, and as the music sounds, I just want to pray for you. Father God, I thank you for every person who has their hands lifted in this place. I thank you that you are the God who cares. That you are a God who cares so much. You gave us your very word, which provides us with everything we need to become those trees. Today, Lord Jesus, I pray for every person with their hands up. And I ask that in this moment, that you would renew, refresh, strengthen, and reconnect every person, each of us here, with you. Jesus, we just declare tonight that you are here in this place. As your word says, your word says that you are not far from each one of us. Tonight, Lord, we declare that out. We say, Lord Jesus, you are not far from each one of us. All we need to do is extend our roots. So help us, Lord, to extend our roots. Help us to extend the root of your word in our lives, to reconnect with your word and receive the words that bring life. Lord, I want to pray for every person who maybe has been listening to the words of that wicked counsel of the enemy, the lies of the devil, which talks to them lies about themselves and other people that speaks to them about insecurity in their life. Lord, tonight I want to declare that those are lies of the enemy. And I say, Lord Jesus, that they be broken right now. Lord, I pray that you would bring your axe tonight and chop off all the roots that receive from the wrong source. Chop off all the roots of lies. Every root, Lord God, that comes from that wicked counsel. Tonight, Lord Jesus, and release the word that comes from your word, from your mouth into our lives. Speak to us tonight, Lord God. Renew our strength and help us to lay down the right roots in our lives that we might grow into trees, lives that are full and abundant and full of life and joy in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that nothing is impossible for you. I thank you that you're here tonight. I ask, Lord God, right now that this will be a week of reconnecting with you. Help us, Lord Jesus, to get up out of our seats and to start to move once again, Lord, through the power of your word. And I just want to pray a prayer, and I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me. A prayer committing our lives to read God's word committing our lives to connect once again with Him. And if that's you, if you want to do that, this is an opportunity for you. So I'm going to pray this prayer and I want everyone to repeat it in this place. Lord Jesus, just repeat it after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. I thank you that nothing is impossible for you. I thank you, Jesus, 
that You have given me Your Word. And tonight, I take that Word. I apply it to my life. And I commit to reading my Bible every day of this week. To go to the source, which is You, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's give God a round of applause.